This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Pets Aloud, brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home on Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Pets Aloud, Joy's very own show about pets brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home. A big thank you to the Checkpoint team for keeping us updated on all the goings on in the gaming world. I'm Kristen and I'll be keeping you company until five today and joining me in the studio is Kate Holter, General Manager of Fundraising and Communications at the Lost Dogs Home. Kate, welcome back. Thank you, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. It's been a, been a bit of a crazy week, hasn't it, at it the has, Lost Dogs Home? yeah. Always, always really busy. It is. In a good way too, you know, with the, with the cat. Um, adoption, the Doppler-thon. Absolutely. It's been a bit of a hustle and bustle down at the Adoption Centre with yeah. l- lots of really lovely families coming down to adopt. Yeah, been which a wonderful is thing to see. always lovely to see, the highlight of the job for sure. Yeah. Now, you may not know, but today, Saturday, April 30th, is World Veterinary Day, the perfect opportunity to acknowledge and celebrate the life-saving work of vets and vet nurses across the world. Whether you're a dog person or a cat person, there's one thing we can all agree on. Vets and vet nurses do an incredible job under what are often challenging and difficult circumstances. As soon as we become a pet owner, our vet becomes a big part of our pet's life and a very important one. From the routine vaccination appointments to the unfortunate emergencies, hopefully not too many of those, vets are there for our pets in a time of need. Their expertise and advice goes a long way uh, in the treatment of our pets illnesses and injuries and gives us comfort and reassurance when we need it most. Now Frank Samway's bequest of 3.5 million dollars has helped the Lost Dogs Home realise its mission of working with the community to promote the welfare of companion animals and to alleviate their pain and suffering and also to enhance responsible pet ownership and the enjoyment of having pets in our lives as well. The Lost Dogs Home Frank Samway's Vet Clinic is a state-of-the-art clinic with modern diagnostic and surgical facilities and there is such a wide range of veterinary services available there as well like um, dentistry for example and the vets and vet nurses are you know genuinely caring and offer expert advice and treatment tailored to your pet's specific needs so it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach. Mm. So uh, to make an appointment, whether it's for a consultation or or for something else, you can phone the clinic on 93292755 or you can also book an appointment by visiting in person and the location is 1 Boundary Road, North Melbourne. Um, What about pets who don't have owners? The Lost Dogs Home takes in more than 26,000 animals each year. Sadly, some of them will come to us with an illness or injury, um, whether that be through an accident or sometimes signs of neglect. The expert team of vets and vet nurses in our shelter medicine department provide these animals with specialised vet care to help get them back on all four paws. They also perform lots of routine surgeries, such as desexing, to help prepare these animals for adoption. To celebrate World Veterinary Day, today's show is all about vets and vet care. Thank you to all the vets and vet nurses out there who work so hard to help keep our furry friends happy and healthy. But also coming up on the show, are you thinking about a career as a vet? Well, Al Latch from the Lost Dogs Home will share her tips and experience about becoming a vet and tell us what it's like to work as one. 
You'll also hear from Dr. Alan Bolton about the life-changing work of the Shelter Medicine Department at the Lost Dogs Home and all of the work that they do to help give a second chance to stray dogs and cats. And we've rounded up some common pet health questions from our listeners and Dr. Alan has all the answers. All that plus our news wrap, pet of the week and dog dates coming up on today's show. You're tuned in to Pets Aloud on Joy 94.9. The Pets Aloud News Wrap. A look at the news of the week from the Lost Dogs Home. Now, we only have uh, one news item for this week, but it is definitely a big and exciting one. So it's uh, an update on our Adopt-a-Thon campaign. At the beginning of April, we called on you to help us find loving homes for 250 adoptable cats and kittens at the Lost Dogs Home by the end of the month. And you certainly did hear our call. Thanks to your support, we have far exceeded our 2016 goal with 334 cats and kittens now enjoying the last days of the month getting to know their new families. Now we decided to raise our goal and we were confident that your support would help us achieve 350 cat and kitten adoptions by the end of April. Since April the 1st, the Lost Dogs Home waived the adoption fees for all cats six months and older at the Lost Dogs Home's North Melbourne shelter, but also a Compassby shelter as well. Kittens under six months had their adoption fees halved to $90. Every cat and kitten comes with health is health checked, um, they're desexed, they're microchipped, they're vaccinated and wormed. All this costs in excess of $300. So to get a cat at half, half price or at no cost at all is an amazing bargain. Absolutely, <laughs> especially when you consider as well, you know, desexing, microchipping and vaccinations are just crucial. They must be done. That's so. right, absolutely. So, you know, just to, I think just to uh, microchip a cat sometimes in private clinics is about 40 to $50. So, yep. you know, uh, you're getting really um, good. And good deal here but you know the thing is that you're doing a wonderful thing and I can tell as an, an adopted a person who adopts pets uh, that you know that um, value or that reward that you get still you know happens you know years later that they you've really, made a difference to they, it's almost like they repay you for the rest of their lives they don't do they? yeah yep. so so yeah good time to come and get a get so come and get a cat so today was the final day of the adoptathon so we look forward to sharing the adoption tally with you the final adoption tally with you ne- on next week's show make sure you tune in to see whether we've reached our goal of 350 adoptions now um, while adoptathon has been a great success so far it is important to remember that for every cat and kitten who has found a loving home there has been another marvellous Moggy who has taken their place straight away uh, at the at our North Melbourne or Compassby shelters. And we would love to see these cats find their forever homes too. Even though Adopt-a-Thon has wrapped up for another year, there are still lots of ways that you can help uh, a cat or kitten in need. And obviously the first uh, way you can help is to adopt, so whether that's now or later on in the year or, or next year. So if you're ready for that lifetime commitment of pet ownership, consider opening your home and your heart to one of our adopted adoptable cats or kittens you'll be giving them the greatest gift of all a loving forever home and they'll be giving you tenfold back as we just said our north melbourne and compassionate shelters are bursting at the seams with cats and kittens in need of new homes from the chilled out couch potatoes to the energetic go-getters there's a huge variety of personality types so you're bound to find your perfect match um, if you know they're waiting for you all of our adoptable cats and kittens have profiles that can be viewed online on our website at dogshome.com you can also call the 
the shelter if you want to talk about a particular cat as well. Or even pop in for a visit and have a look yeah. if you have the time to do that as well. That's right. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to adopt the, adopt the first visit. Like there that's is it. that understanding that sometimes it takes a while to, to find that perfect match. It might take a few visits. Absolutely. Now, um, another way you can help cats and kittens in need is by becoming a foster carer. So maybe you're not ready to care for a pet uh, long term. So foster care could be a great alternative for you. By becoming a foster carer, you will be opening your home and heart to a cat or kitten who needs temporary care away from the shelter environment. They might be too young for adoption, um, perhaps they're recovering from surgery or just need some good old TLC with a loving family. Now, as well as helping the individual animal, you'll also be helping to create much needed space in our shelters as well. So foster care can last anywhere really from two days up to four weeks and all expenses will be covered by the Lost Dogs Home. Uh, and when you apply, you will be contacted within two weeks as well. So if you want to um, read a bit more about the program or um, find out how to apply, you can find some more info at dogshome.com. And if you're not in a position to foster or adopt, then you can advocate. Advocate for adoption or advocate for animals at the home or shelter animals in general. Um, you can still help but just by simply spreading the word. But if you have a relative or a friend or a colleague who's thinking about getting a cat or a dog for that matter, you know, con- you know ask them to consider adopting. And um, why not tell them... Um, the shelters like Lost Dogs Home are full of wonderful adoption candidates. You can even choose one or more of our adoptable pets and you can share their profile on your social media pages, which is super easy and a great way to get the word out. Absolutely. And now we are going to introduce you to just one of our pets who is looking for a new home. This week's Pet of the Week. Hey, would you like to tell us a bit about this week's Pet of the Week? Yes, so this week's um, Pet of the Week is Miley, um, as in, it's not like Kylie, not Miley Cyrus, but she's a magnificent looking cat. Uh, She's seven years old, ten months, uh, so she's one of our senior cats, uh, so her adoption fee will be waived. Um, She's tabby and white, she's got a real presence about her, she's just so beautiful and proud looking. She's actually a little bit similar to a Maine Coon sort of look of a cat. Um, She's described as being a magnificent moggy with an independent nature. Um, She loves to sit back, relax, take it all in from the comfort of her bed. So she likes to survey her surrounding areas, not get involved straight away. Uh, Miley can be unsure of new environments, but with time and TLC, she will settle in. She wants all your love to herself, so she'll need to be the only cat in her home. And she does look a bit like that, but yeah, it's all about her. Uh, Due to her independent nature and her preference for a peaceful lifestyle, Miley is best suited to a home with no small kids, as she's lucky to find them a little bit too overwhelming and maybe a little bit less than tolerant. Uh, Miley may be a mature moggy, but don't let that deter you. Senior pets have many years of love and devotion to give their new families. Um, Cats can live a very long time. So yes, Miley's got many years ahead of her. Absolutely. Now Miley's ID is 10110043. And if you want to learn more about her, you can visit dogshome.com or contact our Compassbe shelter on 54803005 or visit in person at 520 Mackenzie Road, Echuca. Now, as Kate mentioned, because Miley is a senior pet, she's part of our Golden Oldies campaign so her adoption fee is waived. In lieu of an adoption fee, you can make a suggested $50 donation or a donation of your choice. If you are looking to adopt from the Lost Dogs Home, we do recommend you visit the website or give us a call before you pop in just to make sure that the animal you are interested in is still available at the time. 
Now, have you always dreamed of helping animals? Working as a vet could be your perfect career. Up next, you'll hear from Al Latch from the Lost Dogs Home about how to become a vet and what it's like being a vet. Joy 94.9 If you've always dreamed of working with animals, you may have considered a career as a vet. From choosing the best school and university subjects to making sure you get practical experience, there's a lot you need to do before you take the giant leap into the world of veterinary care. Now we're going to flash back to last April when Pets Aloud presenter Kevin had a chat with Al Latch from the Lost Dogs Home about how to become a vet and what it's like working as a vet. It's been a little while since you've studied because you've been working at Lost Dogs Home for... Uh, yeah, this is the fourth, fourth year. year. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so like pretty sure we've been working around similar yeah. times, actually. Yeah. Uh, so take us through the process. Like, what did you have to do to become a vet? And I know the process has changed a little bit over the last couple of years. Mm. So what's the kind of process like now? Well, I mean, when I went through, we the system was a little bit different at Melbourne University, but I mean, the essentials are still the same. So really, throughout high school, I guess you do have to have a plan um, because there are certain subjects that you need to be doing to qualify for the degrees that can lead into vet school Uh, so the earlier you know the better Um, so really you know by year 10 if you can be going to all those open days they're very useful you know because those the people there they literally tell you what you need to be studying what you need to do how to apply so that's probably the best place to start getting all that information and then yeah it's a matter of getting certain marks um, to try and get into one of the degrees that qualify um, and keeping your marks up at uni as well so but one thing I will say is don't worry you know the only way to get in isn't by getting 99.7 or whatever it is yeah straight out of high school I assure you that's not what every vet ever got so you know just make sure you find out exactly what you do need to get to qualify for one of the degrees yeah so it's not just the pre-vet course yeah you can do a science degree as long as you're covering the right thing Uh, now look there's sort of this is kind of difference between private practice and shelter medicine do you think there's much of a time when someone will go oh I really want to do that or is it kind of just at their own pace look everyone's different there were people through uni who did have a you know plan they knew exactly what they wanted to go into um, and others didn't and that's absolutely fine because we all get the same education and you can decide while you're studying and you know focus your ex- uh, like placements and experience on a certain path but otherwise just finish the course and afterwards start working and change any time yeah because I've, I've known shelter vets that have gone on to do private practice exactly. and the other way around as well so look now every day at the shelter hospital every hour every minute is quite varied and different so it's no exaggeration to say the challenges that you deal with every day are extremely unique you've been a vet at the lost dogs home for about three or four years now we're looking at so tell us what is a typical day like so generally you will definitely be checking plenty of animals throughout the day as you can imagine a lot of the shelter animals that come in aren't in perfect health so you'll spend quite a while checking all the shelter animals giving them the medical care they need and treating them Um, you'll also be definitely preparing animals for adoption so usually you know the desexing surgeries the worming the fleeing all that stuff and then there's obviously the assessing of animals for adoption as well and much much more (laughs) so so many different things and i guess as they come uh, now now, now, one thing we did want to mention, and we're not trying to, you know, turn anyone away from going to no. vet, vet clinics. This is something, a piece of advice that you got given when you were doing work experience. Yes, and I was truly grateful for it. In year 10, um, the vet I was with sat me down and said, look, Alan, I do need to tell you something. Uh, he said, vets don't make a lot of money, and, and most people think they do, you know, and I think that is something people genuinely need to understand and learn before they go into vet school thinking it's a high-paying job uh, because unfortunately it's not. You really got to do it for the love. 
love. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same as working at a shelter, yes. <laughs> as we all probably realise. Now, running since 2012, the University of Melbourne's vet school program at the Lost Dogs Home is a vocational program that offers each student, final year student, two weeks of hands-on work experience performing life-changing surgeries to our stray patients. Now, Al, when you were going through vet school, there was slightly a different program at the Lost Dogs Home, but you were still there. It wasn't until the year after, I think, or maybe two years after we finalised exactly. that program with the, with the What was it like? What what, and what did you get out of it? Well, so in my case, I didn't have this exact opportunity, which is very unfortunate. Uh, at uni, I remember that was something we really lacked, getting that opportunity to do surgeries on animals and getting that hands-on experience before you're out there in the real world doing them. Whereas now the students get to come through the Lost Dogs Home, do surgeries, and really, you know, they've obviously got their um, vet and their teacher there to help them along the way, but really they're doing a surgery on their own and getting that time and all the resources to do so. So it's an amazing opportunity. Now, we're not just talking about a couple of surgeries. We're talking about last year, there was 120 students that came through the Lost Dogs Home and they did 900 surgeries. Now, amazing. most of these are desexing as well. Now, you've got to think this is students every single week doing these desexing surgeries. And we have a lot of animals that come through that need to be desexed, obviously. Why is it important for both the home, the shelter animals and the students as well? Well, I guess it gives the students the perfect learning opportunity, but it also gives them an opportunity to see a shelter environment. So I I think it's great for their education and their experience to see what we're dealing with and of course you know shelter somewhere a lot of them will want to end up in so it's a good experience just to see what it's like so yeah and then on the same hand it's a benefit for us because like you said there's no shortage of animals that need to be desexed so to have these great students who are happy to do it is a win-win. That was Al Latch from the Lost Dogs Home talking about her own experience becoming a vet and what it's like to work as a vet. Now coming up next, Dr Alan Bolton will give us a closer look at the life-saving work of the Shelter Medicine Department at the Lost Dogs Home. Joy 94.9 This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. Many of the animals who come into the care of the Lost Dogs Home need some extra care and attention before they'll be ready to find new homes. However, without your support, this wouldn't be possible. Our shelter medicine department works hour to hour, never knowing what's about to come through the doors of our shelter hospital. From routine desexing surgeries to severe trauma cases, they provide optimum care and treatment to these animals, giving them the best possible chance at a happy and healthy future. Late last year, Sam caught up with Dr. Alan Bolton from the Lost Dogs Home to find out more about shelter medicine and how community donations are essential to keeping the department running. One area that benefits from public donations is shelter medicine. Joining me now to talk about shelter medicine at the Lost Dogs Home is Dr. Alan Bolton, Senior Veterinarian at the Frank Samuels Veterinary Clinic and Pets Aloud presenter. Alan, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. <laughs> now, can you tell me a bit about what shelter medicine is and, and the work that they do? At the Lost Dogs Home, there are really two parts to that. So when, dogs, when most dogs come to us, we have to hold them for an eight-day period to allow their owners to reclaim them. Um, during that period, we have to assess them to make sure that they're healthy when, when they come in and they arrive with us. And we have to give, I guess, fairly basic first aid treatment to deal with any conditions that they might have when they come in with. And we also have to make sure that we get them vaccinated and treated for fleas and worms as appropriate. So that's what we do during the eight-day period. At the end of the eight-day period, we obviously we assess the dogs and cats in our care, and any that are any who are suitable for adoption, we obviously have to desex and provide the, the appropriate treatments. 
the eight-day period, all the work that we do during that is, is really funded by the fees that we get from councils. But after the eight-day period, anything that we do to care for an animal or prepare it for adoption has to be funded by, either by donations or by our adoption fee. And we know that our adoption fee really just covers the most basic of treatments. And what types of things... You talk about the period after the eight days. Mm -hmm. What types of things are public donations then spent on in the shelter medicine area? Well, I guess it's really everything that those dogs and cats go through while they're still with us and I mean if I think about some cases from yesterday we had a dog who had to have an eye removed because of a, an old injury that hadn't been treated um, we've got a little chihuahua today who is quite elderly she's got a little mammary tumour so we'll take that off um, she also needs a dental we had a dog yesterday who came in he had previously had surgery to repair a broken jaw um, so he had some screws and wires in his jaw his jaw has healed we've x-rayed that to make sure but the screws and wires are starting to cause a problem so we've got to take those out um, before he can go up for adoption so i guess those cases show that the shelter medicine team will get a range of different cases running from desexing surgery which happens on all the dogs yep. that come through or cats that come through that aren't desexed all the way through to obviously more complicated stuff like Orthopedic Absolutely, we have to deal with whatever we come in with, and I think it's worth. People may, you know, look at the website and see, you know, a surprising number of one-eyed dogs and cats, or maybe three-legged dogs and cats. And I think it's really important to remember that a lot of these conditions that these animals present with have been there for some time. So often the fractures we're faced with, we can't really repair them because they've, they've just been there too long, or injuries haven't been treated appropriately so really we just have to resort to salvage procedures so it's really on a case-by-case -case basis it's on a case-by-case -case basis yeah Absolutely. now is the shelter medicine service at the home something that could continue on without the donations from the public absolutely not so as i've mentioned our the, the fees that we receive from the councils we work with are really just there to look after the dogs and cats during their eight-day quarantine period um, and our adoption fees go nowhere near to covering the even the most basic treatments that those dogs and cats receive. So donations are absolutely essential for the work that we do. And obviously we're very, very grateful for all donations. Alan, thanks so much for having a chat today about Shelter Medicine You're welcome. Dogs Home. That was Dr Alan Bolton from the Lost Dogs Home talking about how your donations help the Shelter Medicine Department continue to change lives and save lives. Up next, Dr Alan is going to answer some questions, some common pet health questions. Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. If you're a cat or a dog owner, there's probably been a time when you've noticed something going on with your pet and you've asked yourself, is that normal? Well, you're not alone. We've rounded up some common pet health questions and well-being questions that our listeners have asked during our previous Pets Allowed shows. So let's hear some of the highlights from the Q&A sessions with Dr. Alan Bolton from the Lost Dogs Home. He is chatting with fellow Pets Allowed presenter, Kevin. We have an older black cat who's around 10 years old and it's lost a bit of weight since we went overseas for five weeks. They'd been feeding the cat while they are away. What is a good way to get some weight back on him? He's fine in every other respect. He eats, drinks normally, but doesn't put on weight. He's around four and a half kilos. I probably wouldn't be too concerned. Four and a half kilos is, is kind of average weight for a cat. Obviously, I can't see him. But if he's eating normally and drinking normally, I would probably just keep an eye on his weight and feed him a little bit more than normal. I wouldn't change his food necessarily um, because sometimes you 
you can cause problems doing that. If he's fine otherwise, just wait it out and sort of wait for him to put the weight back on. It's probably just when you're away, he just wasn't quite so stimulated and didn't he? Just got a bit normal. stressed maybe yeah. as well. So at that weight, at four and a half kilos, I probably wouldn't be very concerned. And if he's, but if he loses any more weight, then yeah, if he's losing more, get... then you need to get him checked out. Things like kidney disease is really common in older cats, but they tend to drink more water. Um, thyroid disease can be a problem in older cats, and they will eat really, really well, but still lose weight. So that's something that he needs would need a blood test for, and it's quite easily treatable. Now we have a bit of a pooch problem. A six-year-old Jack Russell has got shocking breath. He's never liked eating bones or any dental chews, but of late they've been trying to give it to him before a feed, and sometimes he'll have a go. Do you have any other ideas? He, they also brush his teeth as well, so they would love to know if we have any ideas as to what to do about their Well, look, a lot of the smell, basically it comes from the bacteria um, associated with tartar, and you can get sort of infections along the gum line as well as a result of that. So he may actually need a dental first, so his teeth cleaning and perhaps any looser infected teeth removing. And at that stage, brushing, once you've done that, brushing will really help. But if there's tartar there, you won't get it off just by brushing. Apart from that, things he can chew on. I've got little dogs and they really like pig's ears, so I cut them into strips. Um, kangaroo tendons are really good as well. They're really hard and they tend to have a bit of dry meat on the end and that really gets them chewing. So that's basically it. You can get special foods which clean their teeth. Um, they're great big chunks and they've got fibres in there, so that as they bite into them, they help clean the totter off their teeth. But I think he may well need a dental first, but it's most vets at some stage in the year do free dental checks or the nurses will do dental checks. So yeah, it's usually a dental health month. There is, yeah. So um, keep an eye out for that and maybe think about getting his teeth done. So that's quite common in sort of middle-aged dogs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They might need to, about 65 or 60 years old, they might start yeah. their dental health declines. And it's just like a human going it to is, the dentist, yeah. basically. Just, just normal. Now, the question we had was, they have a middle-aged Kelpie at home thinking about getting a kitten. So what's the best way to introduce them that there's going to be a harmonious household? I would start off with the kitten in the carrier so that the dog physically can't get it get at the kitten um, and obviously you'll know your dog and whether they're actually going to chase a kitten or how they're going you've got how some idea react, how they're going to yeah. react um, I'd probably keep the dog on a lead for a bit make sure you don't leave them alone together until the kitten's older and is definitely big enough to look after itself because most adult cats will can tell see the off kid, most they will tell dogs. the dog yeah, yeah. and uh, the other thing is to keep giving the kelpie as much attention as before and yeah. keep to your routine keep walking him um, probably wouldn't feed them together in the same place yep. because there might be a bit of an issue over food and just take it slowly make sure that the kitten or the cat always has somewhere to get away to. Is it possible for senior, newly introduced cats to learn to tolerate each other, if not actually like each other? My brother and his partner recently moved in together. Each has a cat. They're both over 10 years, female and spayed. The cats seem to not like each other at all, and attempts to gradually introduce them have failed. One cat is quite dominant and bullying. Is there any suggestion other than keeping them separate? They have tried pheromone sprays, but it's only worked on one cat and actually has had no effect on the other. Alan, what do you think? Generally, I don't think they will ever like each other but generally they do learn to tolerate each other pheromone sprays sprays should help is about the only thing that you can really do apart from certainly make sure that they've got separate feeding areas make sure that they've got separate litter trays um you should always have one litter tray per cat plus one extra um give them separate sleeping areas that they can get away to and most of the time if they've got enough space they will find out ways to pretty much avoid each other and keep out of trouble. So I think you just have to give it time and hope for the best. Really. I think that's So as long as they're not having any sort of serious fights where there's kind of blood being drawn and everything like that. You've got to let them get on with it. You've just got to let them get on with it and sort themselves out. 
those were some of the highlights from a pet health Q&A session with Dr. Alan Bolton from the Lost Dogs Home. Now, if you do have any questions or concerns about your pet's health or well-being, uh, it's really important that you do have a chat with your vet. So please uh, make an appointment with them uh, or you can also contact the team at the Frank Samways Vet Clinic to book an appointment uh, and their details are uh, you can phone 9329 or visit in person at 1 Boundary Road, North Melbourne. Now stay tuned because up next, Dr. Alan Bolton will answer some more common pet health questions. Do you have a business, product or service that needs to be seen and heard? Become a Joy sponsor and get the best of both worlds. Have your message heard on air by 329,000 monthly listeners. Have your message seen online at joy.org.au via the Joy Sponsorship Directory. Sponsorship starts from as low as $295. And best of all, those who sponsor us for more than one month are featured on our listing free. Yes, free. Call 1300-JOY-949 or email sales at joy.org.au for more details. Joy 94.9, the diverse voice of the GLBTI community. Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. Before the break, we heard some of the highlights from a Q&A session with Dr. Alan Bolton from the Lost Dogs Home, who answered some common queries about pet health and well-being. Now, let's hear more info and advice from Dr. Alan Bolton, who was joined by fellow Pets Allowed presenter, Kevin. Ginger Cat uh, is about six years old, domestic short hair, started to develop some black spots on her nose. Now, they've heard that this is a common uh, thing with ginger cats as they develop age spots. They want to know, is that the case? That is exactly the case. They're really common as they grow older and you generally see them mainly around their eyes and their lips and and on their nose, like you say. And basically, they're just dark pigmented spots and they don't cause a problem and they're just there it happens i suppose if you're talking about white cats if they're getting dark spots on the top of their nose or on the tip of their ears especially if they're a bit crusty that can be something different so and that would need looking at because they they get sun damage and can get cancer so with ginger cats it's fine but with white cats or light cats it's not fine i was gonna ask that i was gonna try and put you on the spot Uh there and ask whether or not it was different in different colors so okay so ginger cats it is quite normal for them to develop age spots but say if you've got a lighter coloured cat you might be a bit concerned and about I guess, those colours. You know, as long as they're not bleeding, they're not swollen, they're not painful, um, they're not pawing at them, they're fine, but if they're doing anything else, then they need checking in. And get down to your vet. Now, the next question we had is about dogs. We More brown their, spots. Yes, we're talking about their eyes this time, though. Uh, now, this person had heard that if dogs have brown spots in their eyes, in the white of their eyes, that it means they're unwell or having bad digestion. Alan, is that the case? I would say no. I haven't heard that. Um, generally, brown spots there, again, are just pigment. They probably won't really change or grow in dogs, so I think if you're seeing spots that are changing or growing, then again they probably need looking at but as far as I'm aware they're nothing to do with digestion okay yeah, that's a quite a simulator but yeah definitely if you if you are concerned about it like say what about these like say the whole thing turns a different color say the white of their eyes that could be a bit of a concern it can be, yeah I mean it can be blood so quite often you'll see an animal that's had a knock on on the head and they'll have little hemorrhages under the membrane covering like the white part of the well, eye isn't it? yeah so you'll see red there and often it looks quite dramatic but actually doesn't really cause much of a problem and it resolves by itself 
itself. Um, but again, with eyes, you, the things you need to look out for, any cloudiness, painfulness, blinking, excessive weeping, those are all signs that there's something going on that needs looking at and that you probably ought to see your vet. Excellent. Thank you, Alan. Now, the next question is from another listener. It says, my two-year-old border collie wakes up every morning with a fair amount of sleep in her eyes. Sometimes it also builds up during the day and I have to clean it out regularly. Is it normal? Should I get it looked at? Look, it's probably normal. If her eyes are normal in other ways, so there's no, um, she's not blinking lots, the corneas aren't cloudy, they're not red, then it's probably fine and it's just due to sort of dust collecting there or maybe a bit of allergy. Um, but if there's lots and lots of yellow or green discharge and the eyes are a bit red or sticky, that's often a sign that she's got conjunctivitis, which is easy to treat but needs treatment. Um, or there's a condition called dry eye, which is more common in older dogs where they don't produce enough tears, the liquid clear part of the tear film. So you get a lot of mucus building up in the eyes and they look quite crusty and, and they get sore. Um, that's another condition that definitely needs needs treatment um, and needs lifelong treatment. So again, you should see your vet. So get down to the vet if there are any issues or if you're getting too much. But you know, a simple way to clean out those is just to... Just damp cotton wool. Damp like cotton wool tissues, or even yeah. a tissue and wipe away from the eye. Yeah. So and also wipe it back lots in. of little white dogs get a lot of brown staining from tears yes. around their eyes. Yeah. And basically that's just the protein part of the tears. And again, it's quite normal. And you can, I think you can buy it like wipe your eye cleaner, yeah. which, which get rid of that. So that's an option. Uh, Someone wanted to know why their cat seems to want to nibble on grass every day. Right. Basically, in the wild, cats hunt and they eat everything. So they eat meat, bones, feathers, skin, the whole lot. And they eat grass to try and get rid of the bits that they can't digest. So that's to bring up the and clear out the skin and the bones and the feathers. So basically, it's the cat equivalent of sticking your fingers down your throat. Yeah, so it's kind of just like, oh, we've got too much stuff. Cats often cough up fur balls or yeah. anything like that, and it's just going to stay in their stomach so instead they sort of chew on some grass and it helps them bring that back up those were some of the highlights from our pet health q a with dr alan bolton from the lost dogs home if you have any questions or concerns about your pet's health or well-being please make an appointment with your vet or contact the frank samways vet clinic on 9 329 we've almost reached the end of another show but before we go we're going to fill you in on the pet friendly and animal themed events coming up in your area that's up next in dog dates you're tuned in to pets aloud on joy 94.9 your pet's community calendar. This is Dog Dates. Now, our dog date for this week is the Dog Lovers Show, which is uh, the final day is tomorrow, Sunday, the 1st of May. And this is taking place at the Royal Exhibition Building, 9 Nicholson Street in Carlton. The Dog Lovers Show is all about celebrating our canine companions. And with lots of entertainment, education and information on offer, it's a fun day out for any dog lover or dog owner. With more than 200 exhibitions, there will definitely be plenty for you to see and do. Uh, You can buy tickets online or at the event, but purchasing online is recommended to avoid disappointment. And please note that uh, you cannot take your dog to this event. It is for humans only, but we're sure your dog will be happy if you bring home some little show bags for them full of goodies. Uh, So for more info and to buy tickets, you can visit dogloversshow.com.au. And just a reminder of this week's pet of the week, it was the lovely Miley, the magnificent Miley. She's seven years old. She's tabby and white with a nice fluffy coat. Uh, Her ID is 10111043 if you want to find out more. And to do so, you can contact our shelter in Echuca on 5480 3005 or go to dogshome.com to view Miley's profile. 
Uh, and also because she is a senior pet, she's part of uh, the Golden Oldies campaign at the Lost Dogs Home. So that means that there is actually no fee to adopt her if you are willing to make a lifetime commitment. Uh, in lieu of an adoption fee, you can make a suggested $50 donation um, or a donation of your choice. Anything, you know, is appreciated and helps, you know, go back towards, you know, the uh, the work that has been put yep. into that animal to help prepare them for adoption. That's so right. for desexings and, and things yep. like that, every little bit really does help. So, and we have reached the end of another show and that has gone so ridiculously far. <laughs> it has, but it's been great fun. <laughs> it has. Thank you uh, for joining us. Happy World Veterinary Day. Uh, and again, thank you to all the vets and vet nurses out there who do keep all our pets happy and healthy. If you did miss the show today, don't worry. You can podcast it via our profile page at joy.org.au slash pets Coming up next is Aaron bringing you the latest indie and alternative hits with SASS. This is Pets Aloud on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9 is a GLB TIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.